This is the Zen Nova Scotia podcast with talks by Cohen Franz. If you would like to support and be part of our community, you can start by visiting zennovascotia.com. We've been talking most of the summer now about the paramitas, the perfections. And tonight we reach one that's very familiar. It's uh, called metta, as in the metta sutta that we chant every night. Metta is often translated as loving kindness. And this paramita is on the Theravada list of perfections, not on the Mahayana. And I think that that speaks to uh, something that we may come to feel along the way, which is that, that in the Mahayana, where everything is really big scale, we can be kind, we can be snobs, we can be compassion snobs. Right? We read about this loving kindness, which seems so practical and down to earth, and we're saying, well, you should be nice to people, and, and that sounds great, but we're busy practicing universal compassion. Right, where we we feel the suffering of the entire world. So it's it's not unusual in discussions of, of metta to try to make a, a distinction between loving kindness and compassion. And I think in most cases that's not very beneficial. Many of the ways we would talk about practicing compassion are the same ways that we would talk about practicing loving kindness. But if we're going to make a distinction about them, for the purposes of tonight's conversation, what I would say is that compassion might be understood as a state. It's a state of empathy. Whereas loving kindness is something that we're choosing to activate is not necessarily something that comes naturally to us. I've had a, a while, I've had longer than most talks to be thinking about this one because last week we went in a different direction. And I keep thinking every day as I, as I toss it around that I'm almost at a place where I can make it very simple. <laughs> You know, if, if sometimes I think I've hit almost on uh, some f- formulation by which I can say, well, this is step one, and this is step two, and this is step three, and then as I think about it, I think, no, no, it's more complicated than that. Loving kindness. My best effort to make this simple is to say that it's about honesty, which is true of every authentic aspect of this practice, but it may be particularly useful for us to frame this one that way. We have to be honest with ourselves in order to be kind to others. We have to be honest about what we're capable of. We have to be honest about what we're truly feeling, and we have to be honest about what we truly understand. I have in the past said many times something to the effect that that practice is about doing. It's much less about your inner state. So don't worry so much about whether you think you're authentic or not. Don't worry about whether 
you're feeling everything in the way that you're, you think you're supposed to be feeling. Just act. Be nice to someone. Even if it doesn't feel completely genuine to you, be nice. <laughs> I'm not going to take that back. <laughs> I think that's still the, the base of this. But if, if anyone's going to hear that and swallow it, if they're going to hear it and say, okay, that, that makes sense to me, then there's something beneath that. There's something beneath that basic act. There's a kind of humility that recognizes that maybe in my own heart, I'm not as nice as I think I should be. Maybe I'm not as generous as I think I should be. Maybe I do not embody the, the ideals of this practice in the way that I wish I did. In order to make that decision to be nice anyway, you have to understand what that anyway is referring to. <laughs> and so that's step one of the honesty, is noticing what aspect of this is difficult for you, and with whom it is difficult, and in what circumstances it is difficult. We have people with whom loving-kindness is the most natural response we could have. People we love for no good reason. Because we never love people for a good reason. They have found their way in. And, and so we respond with generosity. It feels so obvious to us to move in that way. And then there are other people for whom that not only is difficult, but it may actually seem unjust. Because we have a story about how we need to treat a person in a particular way, or or we think, well, this will be misinterpreted. Or that person hasn't treated me well, therefore, if I hold the door for her... She's winning. (laughs) There's an imbalance here. Part of honesty is recognizing who is who. And when we do recognize, and I've I've spoken of this before at, at more length, when we do recognize those people for whom love comes easily, We embrace that, of course, but we also study it. We notice what it feels like to give without hindrance. We notice what it feels like to not be protective of ourselves. And we ask ourselves what it would feel like to behave in this way all the time, with everybody, with strangers, And then eventually with the people that we think don't deserve it. We also have to be honest about what we do not know. Any any act of connection is a movement toward empathy. It's a movement toward understanding 
someone else. And we have to be honest about what we do not understand. We also have to notice in ourselves the ways in which we create distance. In the Metta Sutta, we say, may all beings be happy. That's great. But it's also a trap. This is one of the, this is one of the places where Buddhism can really screw us up. Because we start talking in these really big ways about all beings. And as we do that, we can forget to look at one being. We can forget to look at individuals and we start looking at this mass, like a mass of birds. And in order to see all of them, we have to step really far back and gain this perspective, this distance. And we see them moving separate from ourselves and we say, may all of them be happy. And it's a beautiful feeling. But nothing is touched. Last week I was reading a book uh, called, I think I'm going to get this right, Between the World and Me by... uh, Tanahisi Coates. He's a journalist in the U.S. and he's black. And he's this book is framed as a letter to his son, who is 15 years old. And in one section, the one of the most moving sections, he's talking about slavery. And he's he's explaining his understanding of slavery. And at one point, he says, and I, I should have brought it because my paraphrase will not do it justice. He says, "Don't ever allow yourself." to understand slavery in terms of a mass of bodies. Don't think of it as a phenomenon of numbers. Don't think of, of this, this large collection of dark faces. It says, when you think of slavery, you think of a woman who had a favorite spot under a tree and who never knew her father and who had regrets and misses her mother and had a favorite way of wearing her apron and who never, ever, ever was able to move beyond the world that was offered to her. That's one. (laughs) Now make another one. He says to his son, don't you dare... (laughs) depersonalize this and stand at a distance. And that's the danger that we have when we, when we fall too easily into all beings, all beings, all beings. Because anytime that we are saying this, anytime we are chanting this, anytime we are walking down the street thinking, may all beings be happy, may all beings be happy, may all beings be happy, we are crossing paths with beings <laughs> who have their own suffering and their own loss. And we may be missing the opportunity to look deeply at them and understand them. So part of honesty is looking at ourselves and saying, 
Who am I seeing as a category? Who am I seeing as part of a mass of others? And how can I narrow that gap? So that when I offer loving kindness, when I practice loving kindness in regard to that person, that it is not pure abstraction. So that it is not something that's mostly about me feeling good about myself. But instead, is entering into the space of another in a way that may make me deeply uncomfortable. That may make me unsure of where I stand. And, very importantly, may reveal that I'm not even as nice as I thought I was or I hoped I was. Because being in the space of that person, for me, is very hard. (laughs) It is a special gift of ours not to move in ignorance, but to maintain it so skillfully, right? We can go our whole lives without ever allowing ourselves to encounter some of the things that make us most uncomfortable in others. I know I have that option all the time. And then there's a third aspect of this honesty as I understand it. And that is, once we have been honest about who we are, and we have been honest about what it is that we keep foreign, we also have to be honest about what we do know. Which is where Buddhism is so powerful. Because Buddhism posits that you do know another person's suffering, not in its specifics, but in its broad strokes. You don't have to wait to reach a state of perfect compassion. You don't have to wait to understand every individual on the street, because you know when you think that may you want all beings to be happy, that all beings want to be happy. That it is a fact of existence. And that almost all of them don't know how. And you know that's true because it's true of you. You know that people sometimes feel lost. You know that people struggle with their own impermanence and with the impermanence of those around them you know that most people are preoccupied with just trying to hold it together. Not necessarily in the sense of keeping off a a nervous breakdown, but just of holding some solid thread that says, this is who I am today, and when I wake up tomorrow, I will still be here. You know that. We know that. And when we meet someone, when we are challenged by someone, when we find that there is much we do not know, we also have to be completely upfront with ourselves. We have to be 
naked to this truth that we know enough. We know enough to know how to be kind. We understand enough about every person we meet to be able to offer something that's true. We can offer the connection. Because there's a high likelihood that the other person doesn't necessarily know what you know. That you're the same. And that your delusion is the same. And your confusion is the same. And your fear is the same. So we move through the world and we walk down the street and we hold doors open for people and we pick something up when someone drops it and we smile at someone that we see. And all the while, we hold ourselves to this standard of honesty. We do not lie about what's really going on when we meet someone else. That, to me, is the heart of practicing loving-kindness. I don't think it's really that beautiful. You know, it's not flowery. It's, it's clumsy like everything else. And instead of us cultivating this kind of beautiful, radiant, shining heart that spreads light all over the world, it's like we're picking at it. And we're poking it. We're saying, what are you? And it hurts. And, and it's awkward. And it would be easier not to do it. Always. And it's never perfect. Even if we call it a perfection. I'll stop there. For more information about Zen, our practice, and how you can support and take part in our community, please visit zennovascotia.com.